Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org slash OC. Let's, uh, let's get, get your Bible. If you've got a Bible, open your Bible to Romans chapter 12. If you have a Bible app on your phone, you're incredibly tech savvy. Why don't you get the app? Um, you can get it on your phone or your whatever device you have and uh, get it out. And uh, I want you, to, I want to encourage you to take some notes down because we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go somewhere today. I've got a lot, a lot, and I'm, I'm praying that God's going to, I know he's going to guide me through it. Um, but I want you to catch something today. We've been looking, if you're just joining with us, we've been talking about purpose, um, God's purpose for our life. And, and the craziness that surrounds us and the uncertainty that surrounds us is absolutely imperative that the people of God know what they're called to do for the God that they serve. It is imperative that we are so secure in who we know we are and who our God is and the purpose that He has for our life because it's upon that purpose and that grounding and that foundation, if you like, that will keep us solid and keep us secure. We have to be solid right now as the people of God. We can't be shaky. We can't be wondering what, what, what our life is going to look like after Tuesday. And I get it. I get where all of this is coming from and I understand the questions. But I want to remind you that everything that's going on may have caught you by surprise, but it didn't get God by surprise. God's not up in heaven being like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What are we going to do? I mean, dear Lord, he's, he's not up there gathering the disciples, trying to work out a plan B. He doesn't have a plan B because his plan A is so good. So what we have to do as the people of God is we've got to tap into God's, what's your plan A for my life? How many want to walk in his plan A for my life? And so we find that, in, in Romans, something that is so significant in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to actually read a chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Typically, we normally just look at verse 2, but, but, but verse 1 actually sets up verse 2. And verse 2 is broken up into two parts, and I'm going to, I'm going to show you them. So let's read this. Um, Paul said this, and he said this, he wrote a letter. Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to the church, to the people of God. And he says this, he said, I beseech you, it's a church word, but it means I beg you. Paul said, guys, I'm begging you by the mercy of God or by the power of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable Service. Let me just break it down if you're not like a church type person. It, it sounds weird to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The, the Hebrew thoughts surrounding the term bodies was speaking of the whole person. And, and this term sacrifice is saying, I'm begging you. Essentially, he's saying, I'm begging you to surrender your whole life to God. 
That's what Paul said. Then he says, so we hear that and we think, I mean, dear Lord, like that sounds like a lot, doesn't it? And, and where we are in Western church, we sort of hear that and we're like, wow, that seems like, that seems like a, that seems like a high standard um, to, to, to try and get to, doesn't it? When we, someone, when we talk about attending church or being a Christian in the Western world, you know, I mean, come on, Ben, like you're talking about surrendering my life. I thought this was like just a club that I joined that I showed up every Sunday. It's not, this is what you have to understand. This is the Gospel, okay? Paul is saying to the church, I'm begging you. He says, I'm begging you. I want you to understand that you have to surrender your life. I see what I'm doing is I'm picking up where we left off last week, if you were here last week. He said, I want you to surrender your life completely to God. Then the next thing is, is the part, you thought that was hard. The next thing he says makes it even worse. He says, and when you've worked out how it is to do that, he said, I want you to understand that that's not the pinnacle or the climactic moment of your Christian walk. He said, that's just the start. He said, that is your, listen to this dude's words, that's your reasonable act of service. This one's gonna hurt today, but listen, you'll feel better tomorrow and come back next week and it'll be a little bit nicer. I'm just telling you what God's Word says, okay? If you don't like it, take it up with Him. The Bible says, Paul says to his people, listen, I'm begging you, surrender your life completely. And that's just the bare minimum of what the people of God need to do. Listen, listen, I know you wanna leave, but stay with me. What this does is, I want you to see this verse one sets up a foundation for verse two and three. Now listen to me, lean into me, because when we get to, I'm sorry, just for verse two, sets up the foundation for verse two. When we get to, let me give you a little bit of vision so you don't, so you don't check out on me too soon because it hurts right now. But the second part of verse two is where we learn about our purpose. Okay, so that's what I know you came for. I know you came for, God, I wanna know what's my purpose for my life. According to your word, what's, what's the purpose that you have for my life? That's where we're going, okay? So, so give you a little bit of vision. There's light at the end of this dark tunnel right now that at the end of verse two, we're gonna look at God's purpose for our life. But Paul is saying to the church, if you wanna understand God's purpose, I'm gonna take you on a journey to catch what God's purpose is for you. But I have to get you started first on a secure foundation that is called the foundation of a life that is surrendered, surrendered. Now I want you to understand this verse if you break it down real quickly. And I got them to show it to you on the screen for those of you that can see a screen. The first part of this, of this little, is the little three-way sort of process I think Paul takes us through. First one tells us where, this is where we start from. Remember, not to exhaust the metaphor, but remember when we, when we about eight weeks ago, if you were here, um, we started a series, we touched on a series called Building Better. And we talked about building our life upon a solid foundation. Remember that? Three of you remember it. That's awesome. And, and, and we talked about 
building our life upon the revelation that God is good. Remember, and that we have to build our life upon the revelation that God's good, not based upon what God does, but based upon knowing who God is. If we're to to just circle back real quick for the idea of a visual for you, if we're to look at that as a continued metaphor for us in building our life and, and becoming who God has called us to become, if you wanna build something in the natural, when, when I was in construction and we would build homes, you could only build a single storey home so high. Then in order to keep building and to keep growing, you had to actually establish a new foundation that was called another level. So this is what your life looks like. When you establish that God is good, the next level that will set you up for what God has for us, you have to build another level. You're only gonna get so high off God is good, but what'll happen is your Christian walk will become stagnant and you'll start to plateau if you don't recognise what it is to build another level that is called the level of surrender. And Paul says, Paul's taking them here. And he says, guys, if you wanna start to build level two, how many of you want level two? He says, if you wanna start to build level two, this is where it starts. So Romans chapter 12, verse one gives us the where. Say the where. Say say it louder like you're not even wearing a mask. Say the where. The where. This This is where. This is where it starts. Paul says it, and I'm labouring this point because we don't like it. We don't like it. We don't like surrender. We like control. We, we, we like control. You don't even like me saying that word. It touches to me things. We want, we, we, it's all about me. It's all about us. It's all about getting mine. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I'm gonna do. And God said, let it go. Remember last week, let it go. The, 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 the more you let it go, the closer it gets to Jesus. Let it go. So Paul says, this is where we start, is the where. Let's look in the second part of these two verses where we find out, we find out the what. He finishes verse one and then he goes on, put it up on the screen. They're gonna show you just the first part of verse two. And he goes on and he says this. He said, this is what, this is, we've established where you're gonna do this. You're gonna do this upon a foundation, a new foundation of a life that's surrendered. Now, let me tell you, Paul says to them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to not be conformed which means fashioned or moulded by this world. I don't want you to be, another way you could say it is, I don't want you to, the word world, that means like the interpretation means the times. I don't want you to be influenced by the times. He says, don't be influenced by the times, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Stop right there real quickly. This is the what. Okay, so we established the where. Life surrendered. The what. He's saying, I want you to turn away from everything that's going on around you. Okay. And I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then the third part of it is the part where it gets fun. The third part is and put it up on the screen. This is where Paul gives us the why. Why am I doing this, Paul? 
Why are you telling me, bro? Why are you telling me I've got to surrender my life, turn from the world, be transformed by the renewing of my mind? Why are we doing this? And this is where it talks about purpose. He says, so that you may be able to discern, dependent on the, on the version that you're looking at, is discern, is decide what is, so that you may be able to discern what is the will of God. Okay? So this is what we came to hear, isn't it? We came to hear, God, God, what's your will for my life? What's, what's my purpose? But, but you can't, you, 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 this, is, this is why we're doing this. But you're not going to get the why unless you start to do the what. And, and, you, and you won't do the what properly unless you understand the where. So what I'm trying to show you as we start, continue to talk about this is a little bit of a topic. I want you to see the, the process that Paul is taking the church through this word process. Listen, we don't like it. We don't want process. Why? Because we don't want to wait. That's why we have drive through. That's why we can order coffees on our phone. Isn't it good? How great do you feel when you show up at Starbucks and you walk past all those peasants that are waiting in line? <laughs> hey, you throw your shoulders back like, look at these good for nothing people that wait in line. I don't have time to wait. We don't want to wait. That's why we can pack out a service like this. When we throw it out, we say, we're going to talk about purpose and we all show up and we're ready to go because we want purpose. And you know, when we want it, we want it now. And we hate when purpose involves process. You tuned out. When I said process, you were so dialed in with me, weren't you? You were taking notes. Now you're on Insta and you're filtering photos and you're doing all of what you're doing. I lost you at process. But purpose won't happen without process. And if, and if you will, I was going to say endure, but it has too much of a negative connotation. But if you will embrace with faith, listen to me, with faith, with an expectation that I'm going to begin to walk out this process, not because I want to necessarily, because my flesh doesn't. And that's great that you recognise that because part of the process is going to be killing the flesh that's going to hinder your purpose. But when you make that decision to say, I'm going to start to walk out this process in my life with a faith and expectation, you will activate the purpose that God has for your life. How many people miss how many people miss the purpose? Because they just didn't want to do the process. So what's the process? Let's, let's, let's lay it out. Do you want to lay it out? I'm going to anyway, so you better say yes. Is that we talked about it. Where are we going? Let's start right. 
it's a force that, where am I? I'm so lost right here. You know what it is? Let's, we touched on it, but let's set it up. Here we go. Part one. Are you with me? I've got to surrender my will. Surrender my will. I've got to surrender my dreams. I've got to surrender my desires. I've got to lay my life down. You, 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 listen, you don't have a right to hold unforgiveness. You don't have a right. Once you get saved, we don't like this in Western world because we like to think that God is an addition to my life. We like the idea. Everybody says, what church are you a part of? Oh, I go to this church. I go to that church. And we've made church in the Western world so convenient. We got, listen, we're good at doing church. I mean, look at this. This is pretty cool, isn't it? And I think our greatest blessing has become our greatest curse. Because as we've gotten so good at doing church, church, and, and I'm all about excellence and I want to make it amazing for everybody and I want everyone to have, that's why we do these great tents and screens and band and excellence and all that stuff. And there's a principle in that and it needs to happen like that. But listen, what the problem is that the, the curse to the blessing of doing things so well is that things can get really comfortable. And then we start to think that, that this whole thing is about us. And we start to want, and pressure comes upon pastors to preach sermons, not to empower people, but to entertain people. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you. And the pressure comes on us. What's going to entertain them? Because if, because if I challenge you, you might not come back next week. You might not come back next week. Listen, do you want to tell oh, Let me tell you something that I, I set myself free of and I realised that I had to in order to do what God has called me to do in this pulpit is I stopped caring what you think. I love you. Listen, listen. Don't let me upset you. Listen, I love you, but I don't care, bro. I love you. Send me an email, tweet me, Insta, Face, Post, Call, Snapchat, MySpace me if you're that old, bro. All of your complaints. But a long time ago, I set myself free and I said, I'm not going to preach to please people. I can't do that because then I'll start getting in this little wheel like a stinking hamster trying to entertain every week just to get you back. I'd rather get you saved than get you back. I'd rather get you empowered than get you back. I'd rather get you discipled and changed and set up to walk in the purpose that God has for your life, even if it means that I've got to lose you for a couple of weeks and you're going to be upset about that crazy tattooed Australian that upsets you so much at church. But if you get to collide with your destiny and purpose, then it's all worth it. Give God praise that you're not a part of a church. We're not doing Disneyland here. This is not just something that we do to entertain us is something that we do to change us. Change me. Change me. 
Mold me, Lord God. Mold me. Challenge me. Challenge me. Challenge me. Listen, listen. This is where you've got to start. If you want to walk in your purpose, it starts with surrender. That's why Paul said it. We quote it. Romans 2, Romans 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of my mind. But don't quote two without seeing one. Because you won't, you won't embrace the process if your life isn't surrendered. Because you know what? The process is a grind, bro. It's a grind. Any seasoned Christian in here will tell you it's a grind. Paul said it like this. He said, I take up my cross daily. We think a cross is jewellery. <laughs> or a cool tattoo. That's not the cross, bro. Think of it like this. We're hanging a cross around our neck. You, you ever seen anybody hanging a little gold electric chair around their neck? That's the cross. It was a form of execution. Paul said, I'm taking up this thing daily, daily. So, so when you establish, I've got to surrender my will. Then the next thing he says to the church is he says, to set you up for your purpose, you need to surrender your will. Then he says, don't conform. Don't, don't give in to the times. And just do what everybody else is doing. Let me, let me take it another. Don't just do what every other Christian might be doing. Because how many knows there's some screwed up Christians out there? Huh? I don't get as easily influenced by people that, that you know, quote unquote, don't know Jesus, right? Because, you know, we're prepared for them because we know they're lost. I don't know better. But it's, it's, it's the bat crazy Christians that are just doing stupid stuff. Huh? Doing, saying stupid stuff, acting a fool, hating on people, not representing Jesus, getting caught up with all of the different craziness that's going on. And if you're not careful to turn away, change your ways, surrender my life, but then I've got to change. God, change my ways. Change my ways, God. Get me. Paul, Paul, I was reading it. There's this great portion of Scripture where Paul is in this battle with himself. I love it because it's so down to earth with where we're at or where I'm at. Maybe not you, but this is me. Paul is like, the, the stuff that I want to do, I'm not doing. And the stuff that I don't want to do, I keep doing it. Is anyone, anyone here feel like that? Two people want to. The rest of you are just God's gift to us. The stuff I don't want to. The stuff, I want to live for God every day. I want to do what's right. Every day I want to. That's what I want to do. But I don't find myself doing all that all the time. And Paul's in this battle of, of, of changing his ways. Changing his ways. But you have to understand the importance of the journey. The, the surrendered life, when you surrender your life to Jesus, you empower Him to help you change your ways. 
So if you wanna just try and change your ways and your life is not surrendered, the only way to start the process is here. The surrendered life helps you change your ways. It's all about the, the, the process. Then, then he says, once you've surrendered your life, once you've changed your ways, then, then he says, I want you to be transformed. The, 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 the order of it is mind renewal, right? Brings life transformation. Okay, so the third the third part of the process is, is Lord, would you, would you renew my mind? Are you with me? So God, surrender. God, take over my life. Take it over. Take it over. That's what, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is keyword, Lord. It's Lordship. That's what surrender. Surrender. Then you're going to empower me to change my ways. I've got to turn away from all of this stuff that's going on. I've got to, I've got to turn. I've got to turn. Whatever you face is where your focus will be. So if I'm, if I'm facing the times, if I'm facing what's going on, if I'm facing my problems the whole time, if that's, if that's, if that's what I'm facing, that, that'll, that'll drain my focus. So I've got to turn. But then in order for me to walk in the purpose that you have for me, because that's what the tail end of the verse says, we'll get there in a second. God, renew. You know what renew means? It means to renovate. You know what? I was a builder before I did college, Bible college. And I did, and a few times, I typically worked on new homes, but a few times I did a renovation. You know what I found out about renovation? Renovation is a mess. It's a mess. You're ripping down stuff. And you know what happens with the renovation? It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. That's why we have to do, Scripture says, I bind my mind to the mind of Christ. And I take every thought captive. You, you cannot think of it like this. You, you cannot control the thoughts the enemy throws at you. You have control over that, right? But you do allow, you do have control over what you're going to focus on. So think of it like this. I, I, don't, I don't have control over what happens in my street, right? They had a, uh, you know, Doing the, what do you call it yesterday, what we did? The trick-or-treat. You know, kids run out in the street eat, eating candy. My kids are still on a high. And uh, you look out your window of your house and it's, you, don't, you don't have control of what's going on in the street. But I do have control over who I let in my house. I don't care. Listen, I don't care. I don't care. I remember a while back, this dude was outside this apartment we are living in. And I think he just, I don't know, he just had a few too many. And, and he, was, uh, he was acting crazy out there and a couple too many drinks. And he, he was out on the street and, and, and Caressa was all scared. She said, what? She said, what are you going to do? I said, nothing. She said, nothing? I said, what do I care? I don't, I don't have a problem with him until he comes in my house. He can do whatever he wants out there, but he's not coming through his front door. That's how our thought life is. The, the, the thoughts will go past. 
But you make the decision whether you're going to allow that thought in or not. And you have the authority over your own life when your life is saved and surrendered. Again, it goes back to surrender. If your life is not saved and surrendered, you've got no authority. That's why it has to begin with surrender. And we have too many Christians that are battling things over here. Let me tell you something, that are tormenting your mind. Tormenting your mind. And for some of you, that's an understatement. And you know what I'm talking about. And you're trying and you're trying and you're trying, but you're up against it and you cannot beat it. And it's the anxiety and it's the depression and it's the weight and it's coming and there's torment in your mind, torment in your mind. Let me tell you something. If the enemy's hitting you hard, that hard, something's off. You know why? Let me listen to me. He does not have that much power over a life that's surrendered. Do you understand that? You, when your life, listen, listen, hear my heart. We will always face battles. You'll always face challenges. You'll always get, the enemy will always, but then it comes a moment. There's been moments in my life where I've stopped and I've thought, you know what? Something's off here. I have given the enemy, when you have surrendered your life, you give your life completely to Jesus. He owns everything, which means your life is owned. Listen, owned, which means He paid a price for it. So if you are facing the enemy and attacks on the enemy in your mind to a point where it is overwhelming your life, then I would say this, the enemy somehow has gotten access that he should not have. And you need to recognise where he got in and go back and close the door and remind him that you are blood bought, you are saved, you are paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ and you have the power to tell the enemy to Go. We don't want to talk about it in Western church, but it's real. It's, I love you too much to just get up here and say, listen, it'll be great and everything will be awesome. And you just skip into your purpose. You won't skip into nothing until you understand who you are in God and the authority you have through a life that's surrendered to tell every devil in hell that comes against you, your family, your home, your life, your career and your purpose. You can tell him, go back to hell where you came from and remind him who you belong to. You got it, you got it. I pray with a guy after church on Sunday. This, this sweet dude, he come up to me and he introduced one of the ushers, brought him up to me. I finished preaching last week and we stood over there. He'd never been to church before. Never been to church before and he walks up and he said, I, I need you to pray. I said, what are, we, what are you praying for, bro? What's, what are we talking about? And he's, he's telling me of torment and you could feel it. You can feel it. And, I, and I'm, I, I don't think we should ever exalt the enemy higher than the name of Jesus, ever. So I refuse to focus on it, but I also refuse to ignore it. And, and this is where the church, we've gone through a season in the Western church where they focused on it so much. It was all about there was a devil behind every rock. Well, sometimes it's the devil, but sometimes it's just life. Get over it, suck it up and move on. But then sometimes it is the devil. But the problem is we went through a season in the history of the church. We focused so much and everything was the devil and it just got, just got weird, bro. But then we swung. And now we just want to pretend that he doesn't exist. 
And we just want to have this seeker friendly, entertain me, cover up my issues, pretend like everything's good when you've had to medicate just to make it here. And I'm not, listen to me, that's not a joke. It's real. It's real. And I understand, listen, I understand. My mum's a psychologist. I understand that there are times when God will use medication and I think it's amazing and I think it's awesome and God will use that sometimes. But I do wanna challenge you and say sometimes He'll use the medication to steady someone. But other times He will bypass every single thing that we put faith in, in the natural and He will give somebody a breakthrough in the Spirit to remind us that He is God and we are not and He is able and if we would activate the power of God, we can walk free. I talked to this guy after church and, and I said, bro, what's going on? And you could feel it. And, and, and it was overcoming him. Even as he was talking to me, I said, what's going on? He says, I get tormented in my mind at night. I get tormented. I feel stuff. I feel stuff in me. I feel, and you could see it. And he was talking to me. And then, and then I'm about to pray for him. But then I know enough to know that I've got no authority to pray for him if his life is not surrendered. Because I have to activate, when praying for Him, I wanna activate the power of God within Him. Because listen, I'm not going home with Him. And the enemy's gonna come back. And he can't keep coming back to the church, Pastor Q, privately, Pastor Q, privately, Pastor Q, privately. And I believe in the power of hanging a pastor, lay hands on you. And the Bible talks about that. But you have to understand that I think it becomes a bottleneck for the people of God that we always have to come back and get a pastor to pray for us. And it slows down the power of God working in and through our lives and in our communities. So I said to him, bro, let me ask you a question, man. I'm gonna pray for you. But before I do, have you ever given your life completely to Jesus. I mean where I mean where you would say my life is dedicated to him. And he, he looked at me and said, no, he says it's my first time here. I said, all right, let's do this. I said, would you like to? He said, what? I said, would you like to do something right now with me? Where were you pray a prayer and give your life completely to Jesus. Because you have to understand, and I explained to him, the only authority you have over the enemy that's coming against your life is through the power of the blood of Jesus. But you cannot activate that power unless your life is surrendered. Keeps coming back to step one, doesn't it? It sucks. <laughs> he said, yeah, I want to. I said, let's pray. I led him to Jesus standing over here last Sunday. And he received Jesus. And I said, what do you feel right now? He said, I feel, I feel good. I said, right, now. Do you understand that when you just prayed, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, listen to me. I am not, listen, I am not scared of the devil. All right, listen, I'm telling you. All right, listen, I've seen that joker do some funky things. 
bro, I'm telling you. I remember preaching at a, of all places, preaching at a women's prison in Cape Town, South Africa. I'm telling you, you never seen tougher chicks in your life. These girls would take me to the cleaners. But I remember seeing the enemy. But so whenever I see the enemy at work in people's lives, it stirs something in my heart. Like, like I get like a, it makes me so mad, bro. I fire up because I'm sick of seeing the devil rob people. And listen, listen, hear me. I'm using, I'm not being crass. Who the hell does he think he is? Listen, listen, what are you doing? You don't have, you don't have a right. You're going to show up. You're going to show up in my house. The hell you think you are. You're going to show, you're going to try and bring attacks against, against my marriage, against my kids. This is, listen, I want to stir something in you where you understand the authority that you have. We wrestle not against against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Remember last week? Hold your ground. Take your position. I said to this dude last week, I said, bro, right now we just prayed and the power of Almighty God is in you. I feel good even right now. Listen. And this, this dude, he, he, I mean, he just lit up. But you could see he still was like, you know, didn't quite know what was going on. I said, now, now we're going to pray. Now we're going to pray. And you know why we did that? Because I want to. It's not just me right now. It's me and you. We're two or more. Hey, that's why church is powerful. That's why the enemy through a a, a pandemic has tried to cause the people of God to scatter because one of the greatest ways he can attack people is to isolate them first. But if we can get together like this and we can link arms together and we can get in a small group and we can believe together where two or more are gathered, he's there, he's there. And so we prayed and I said, Lord God, I pray for him right now. I pray in the power of the Name. That's why we say at the end of a prayer, we don't say in Ben's Name. We don't say in Tom's Name. We don't say in Katie's Name. As nice as Katie might be and as great as Tom might be, you didn't pay the price for the power that we can cast the enemy out of our life with. It was through the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we pray it, we say in Jesus' Name. And I prayed a covering over his mind. I prayed the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Got his heart, got his mind in Christ Jesus. Took every thought captive. And then, and then we, didn't we? Didn't we? There, he was there. Then, then we, then we, then we finished. And I said, what do you feel? Tears coming down his face. Self feel good. I said, right. Now go in what you just got. Go in what you just got. 
because I'm not going to be with you tomorrow, but He is. And you have the power within you. Listen. I'm going to stop. And this is why. Because the second part is too important to rush. Okay? It's too important. Because there's something on in this, in this right now. There's something on. There's a touch on this. There's a touch on this. And I want to keep going because this, and because it's meant to be about purpose, isn't it? That's where we're meant to go. We're meant to go for purpose. But I keep, you've seen me. How many times have I gone back to this chair? Why I keep going back to this chair? You can't turn from the stuff going on. You can't overcome the battles in your mind because your life is still yours. Listen, listen. I want to I I, I finish the sermon with the last point and a little story and close it out because that's how we would do church. But it's too important to rush. Because the reason we do church is so people can get set free. And listen to me. I want to do something that I don't, you know, we don't do it like this. As the noisiest freaking helicopter on the planet (laughs) flies over us right now. That does remind me though, I want to, uh, I'll do it at the end. Your life, listen, the enemy has too much access. It's too much going on. I hope you hear what I'm saying. We're always going to battle stuff. We're going to fight stuff. Some of you are fighting, not like that. Your life isn't surrendered. It's partially surrendered. There's hurt that you have never surrendered. There's, There's rejection that you have never surrendered. There's addiction that you've tried to beat on your own, but you've never surrendered. I've been there. I'll bet you don't know. I've been there. Ready to throw a rope over a rafter in the roof and end my life because I felt so bound and I was so addicted and I was so far from God and I felt like I'd tried everything on this planet to get some sort of peace, but peace never came. And in a moment, in a dark, dark moment, I surrendered my life and I said, God, if you are for real, I said it out of my mouth. I said, if you're for real, if this thing is not a joke, I said, I need you. I need you to show up right now or I'm done. 
And I want to tell you, I felt the first thing I felt. I felt the love of Jesus. The, listen to me, the, the most overwhelming love of Jesus. And it just, it was like a wave. It was like a, it just not, it smashed into that room. And he did not wait for me to get my life right before he reminded me and showed me how much he loved me. He doesn't wait. But I wasn't able to experience that until I surrendered. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.